0: Is film like milk? Yes, it's got culture in it, and it's mm, damn it, <laughs> whole milk, skim milk, medium milk.
1: I have nipples, Greg. Could, you milk, Could me? you milk me? Welcome back to age like Milk, the podcast where we talk about film that has gone bad over time in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert-Taylor, and with me, thankfully, beautifully, luckily, is my BFF and the bald extremo, David oh. William Rogers.
0: The male model himself, David William Rogers, the first. Wow. It's an honor for you guys to have me here today. Yeah. Mm.
1: Honestly, I'm just so grateful to be nominated, to be, <laughs> you know, here with these beautiful people tonight. Yeah. Uh, David William Rogers, hello to How you, are sir. you today? very great and extremely great because we are talking about a film that I love feels like an autobiography at times David what film are we doing this evening
0: the film on the menu this evening is The Devil Wears Prada 2006 directed by David Frankel writing credits Aline Brash McKenna who did the screenplay and the novel by Lauren Weisberger it stars Mm -hmm. Meryl Streep Anne Hathaway, Emily Blunt, mm-hmm. Stanley Tucci. So I, I was gonna go for a rhyme there, but oh, all I had going? is all I had is like coochies, and I didn't want to go there yet, just um, yet. But <laughs> like yet. Adrian, Adrian Grenier. Um, just a just kind of a stacked cast, just in general. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of like peppered like cameos throughout as well.
1: Exactly. Now, first question: Did you ever see this movie in your life before it came up?
0: I have never seen this movie in my life until this came up, so I'm glad we did this film. Um, it's something I just I wouldn't be- just watch, right? For, for right, my and taste. because
1: you've never, I think because you've never seen the film, you should do the synopsis. Give it, give it to me. What oh, do you okay. think this film is it, about? Okay, because
0: it is your turn, but I like this. I like the way this okay, is going. Okay, well, All there's right.
1: no such thing as turns in the ether of life. So true, it's just, you know.
0: or the podcast realm. So here right. we go. <clears throat> All right, so Devil Wears Prada. You have this young, up-and-coming woman, Andy Sachs, played by Anne Hathaway. She just graduated from, what is it, not Northwestern, but... Yeah, it um, is Northwestern. Mm -hmm. Is it? Okay. Mm -hmm. Northwestern, that's in in Illinois. So, all right, so she graduates, and she's living in New York, and she wants to, um, she's interested in journalism. She wants to be a writer, but she's Mm -hmm. throwing her... Um, you know her resume's out there just seeing what sticks. She gets an interview at this publication called Runway. She goes in, she meets with Emily Blunt's character who's named Emily. So that was easy for Emily Blunt. <laughs> <laughs> she really like, had to,
1: she was like, what's my character? Exactly.
0: What is my character? What's the essence mm-hmm. of Emily? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. she meets with her. She kind of gets shit on. She's like, I don't know what you're wearing. You're never going to make it in this. You don't even know who Meryl Streep's character is. Uh, Miranda mm-hmm. And Miranda like, Priestley. Miranda Priestley. What are you even doing here, basically? So she meets with Meryl Streep, Miranda, and she kind of is like, hey, I don't really know too much about this or that, but I'm a hard worker. I'm smart. And like, I won't let you down, basically. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: Meryl Streep takes, you know, a chance on her. The last couple Emily's, as they call her, the assistants, um, just all kind of washed out. They didn't make it happen. So Miranda's character, Meryl Streep's character, Miranda's very demanding. And what she wants, what she wants, what she wants. You can't ask her any questions. Um, She kind of berates you a little bit. She never really raises her voice. She just has a lot of power. Very influential in the fashion industry. So. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, and Hathaway starts to come into her own in this position. She starts learning the ropes, um, gets a little swag from Stanley Tucci, his character, uh, Nigel. And she's trying to figure out if she wants this life for her or if she wants to go back journalism right. Um, she's kind of got, you know, at odds with her friends and her boyfriend who's kind of like saying that she's changing. She, and so at, at the end, she doesn't stay with Meryl Streep in the fashion industry she goes to write again to be a journalist and um yeah Meryl Streep's a little upset but she's happy with what Andy did for her and she was a successful assistant so there's a lot in this movie with the workplace fashion Mm -hmm. industry um I want to talk a little bit about Uh, her support group with her friends and her boyfriends so I thought that piece was pretty interesting I thought the acting was great Meryl Streep is usually Mm -hmm. crushes this she was nominated for an Oscar uh, for this and yeah all around and there's a ton of of fun facts that I I looked up in this you know
1: this is based off a book right
0: based off a book yep and that was written by uh, Lauren Weisberger
1: I read this book years before this movie came out, and I think the film did a very good interpretation of it. I think uh, Meryl Streep's Miranda Priestly is iconic, but there was some changes um, in between the novel and the film, and I'm excited to talk a little bit more about that. But before we get too far in, we have a wonderful guest joining us tonight, David, do we not?
0: We do? Who? Who is it?
1: he knows he can see her he can see her face uh her name is nicole simons welcome nicole
2: thank you guys for having me on um i'm david's soul sister um (laughs) sister from another mister we are calm majors and i too did a little bit of childhood catalog Modeling, if you want to call it that, oh. so we're all models here. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and
1: Nicole chose this uh, movie to discuss. Nicole, what is your attachment to the film, if you don't mind us asking?
2: So it's great. I can really relate to this film because I have been an assistant before, done lots of assisting, um, have assisted lots of children within the last this pandemic year, and right now I am currently. assistant to the ex-editor-in-chief of Team Vogue. So it's all, you know, this movie Very relevant. Very relevant. Yeah, it's close to home. I also
1: have been an assistant for many years, Mm -hmm. and I think anybody who has been an assistant watches this film, and it's a little bit too close to home sometimes, Mm -hmm. depending on the boss that you have. But Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about, you know, who you work with now, and like, what is your day-to-day assisting someone of sort of Miranda Priestly level, but obviously not as uh, mean or crazy.
2: (laughs) So right now, honestly, it is pretty wild. So, um, I mean, I've got kind of a backstory on her. She was the youngest editor in chief that um, Team Vogue's ever had, or really just kind of Condé Nast in their entire publication, Um, first woman of color. So kind of her coming in was very groundbreaking breaking and she kind of broke down so many like stereotypes in the industry and what typically I feel like they'd previously talked on teen vogue or just focusing on beauty, um, you know, makeup, the fashion, and she kind of brought it, brought in a lot of politics, feminism, and just kind of big social issues and topics that maybe at first was controversial if people thought, you know, that is this what teens should be focusing on. But she really shook up the industry, which, you know, it's really fun to work for a person like that. But um after she had actually walked away from TiVo to kind of pursue her own thing, she has wrote a book that is New York Times bestseller. She is a host, a co-host on the show The Talk that's on CBS. She is also a judge on Project Runway. And honestly, her brand is just getting bigger and bigger. She just most recently did Masterclass with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yes. I was
1: watching Sci-boy. that today. We yeah. have ties to Masterclass. Yes, My, ties. my love yes. is uh, an <laughs> editor at Masterclass. And <laughs> I just saw the Instagram ad for it, And I was like, this chick is amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been I, I watched been a everywhere. few <laughs> parts of it. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's, it's yeah. really interesting, um, just yeah. her it's- mindset. It's also interesting
1: because she, I feel like, was probably... When was she the uh, editor-in-chief for Teen Vogue? Because I feel like it was just after this movie, right?
2: No, not for Elaine. It was closer, I think, to 20. or six years ago? 2015 is when she had started. So So she kind of went into, like, it was really crazy... I think she was a little Obama, but then she moved into like almost more, it was also like the Trump era for them as mm-hmm. well. So that's why mm. even going harder into like politics and all, it was, it was very heated. But um I know she basically, with her as the editor-in-chief, they sold like more copies than they ever had of Teen Vogue. So it was wow. extremely, it was popular and it, it's just kind of funny when it kind of, Beats that stereotype like, oh, girls aren't going to be interested in this. And then it, it really blew up like they'd never had better numbers. um But yeah, but it's insane working for her now just because this woman is so busy. Like <laughs> she'll tell you, but she has so much going on. I feel like if she's not filming a TV show, she has a brand deal of some sort. Filming with other people, doing writing, solo and editing. Um, she now is working with an online publication called In The Know. And they've had some really good cover stories and people and yeah, so it's, it's just, it's pretty amazing. And she heavily, I feel like has been working with like, it's like Gen Z is this main consumer for her. And it's been so far, it's, it's very exciting. It is crazy. This, you know, the whole fashion industry, but I mean, it's nuts. I feel like from the time she had started, when I had started kind of getting into it like 2013, it's. A pretty big jump, but I know watching this movie, I, I honestly feel like there are, are so many truths. Like, totally. To to what I, I'm I'm not gonna. It's kind of funny because I was doing a lot of like research, just kind of after see people's opinions who work in fashion, like on the movie, and I feel like a lot of people were kind of like, it's this isn't really what it's about. Like, fashion's not currently like like this, or like people really don't get that dressed up, or like I feel like kind of the toxic culture that's involved, but. Weirdly enough, I feel like that movie was very much like the experience that I had had in fashion. And that's another reason why I like I love working for Elaine just because, you know, I just feel like the industry for so long is like this is like the way things have to be. And she really came in like it doesn't have to be like this anymore. And people are ready for like different conversations that, you know, than just telling, you know, girls makeup tips and assuming that's all they, totally. they all they're interested in. So I I'm very grateful for it. She's an amazing mentor and it's wild the amount of success she's had at a young age and really inspires me that, you know, I think working for people in the past, when you're working for white men or anything, when, you know, you see yourself like, oh, I wanna be in your position, they've only seen people like them. For her, it's cool working for a woman that I feel like in me sees herself. When You know, when she was 26, she was already like a beauty editor for Vogue. And then when she was 27, she was editor in chief. That is wild. That is insane. Like how young. Yeah. So. Hey everyone. I'm Elaine Maltroth and I'm the editor in chief of Teen Vogue. I spent over a decade building a career as a magazine editor. It's really scary
1: to walk away from that. I looked up one day and realized that I had more dreams. But bringing it back, Nicole, so obviously you're assisting this woman Mm -hmm. who is, like, kind of an icon and kind of, like, the first person, you know, to really break down a lot of walls and to Mm -hmm. break down a lot of um, assumptions about, like, the fashion industry and stuff like that. And you mentioned, you know, working with a female boss is so interesting. (laughs) What did you think of the female boss dynamic in The Devil Wears Prada? (laughs) I mean... I,
2: like honestly watching it makes me stressed out. <laughs> I, feel like right. I have an internal like I'm like, oh my god, like I need to go get her this book right now. Like I'm about to get up. I it's it's crazy. I feel like I'm related with it on so many points where I feel like this is so many of my past experiences that I mean I I feel like anyone who's been in the assistant realm has dealt with I feel like a boss who the expectation is so high that there's like oh, it's realistic that, you know, in a, like, storm in Florida
1: that you can you would somehow find magically get me a plane <laughs> to appear in 30 minutes. and or the, you know. or the best was um she wants the Harry Potter yeah. book that has the not Manny's been published script. for her twins, yeah, and she, like, pulls it off. But, like, that's a totally reasonable request in the movie in Miranda Priestley's mind, yeah. right?
2: And I think with that, too, it's just, like, the normalization of this kind, of, almost, like, a toxic relationship between – the boss and like assistant. Like I I feel like the best bosses I've had in my life. It's like instead of like I'm above you and like you like you stay below me. It's like we work together as a team and like we walk together and at the end of the day and like I mean talk like Elaine too she's made a huge point of this like I wanna I wanna uplift every person around me. And I think she holds true to that where you know what's the point of like kind of getting someone in if you're not training them, hopefully for something like bigger to move up and really zone in on like what their talents are. So, you know, I mean, you see her just kind of doing really crazy tasks that kind of sometimes just have nothing to do with like, you know, learning. But then again, I feel like it's nuts. But then again, all the tiny weird skills I've learned through assisting or (laughs) having to do crazy tasks last minute. But honestly, it really gives me like a form of PTSD where it's, it just, I agree. I mean, too
1: close to home. They say in the film, they keep saying like all these people keep saying to mm-hmm. Andy, um, Anne Hathaway's character, like a million girls would die mm-hmm. for this job. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's, I think the fucked up thing that happens in these like mm-hmm. toxic relationships that you were kind of yeah. saying is that you you feel like, you know, it's okay to have personal boundaries with yeah. your boss, like with work, um, which I want to get into like this work life balance that she does not have. But mm-hmm. like, she starts to like gaslight herself in a sense she's like i have to work harder because a million girls would kill for this job and it's kind of this weird psychological thing where everybody's in this like terrible cult together that's like well you know if it's not me it's someone else and you just see like the fucked up relationships and the mentality and yeah yeah it's and fun. how it changes
2: her mindset like completely you know totally. like she's like I, I think it'll be interesting for us to like the kind of this theme of like the choice, like, no, it's really mm-hmm. when she's like, I have no choice. I have no choice. And we're like, you do have a choice like in it. And totally. I think kind of that throughout the film. So I, I agree with you. On that. Was,
0: uh, I'm going to yeah. play. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to play the devil's advocate a little bit. So the devil's. advocate. Yeah. So what really was that bad that Elaine did? right or um (laughs) like like to to make you work to make you do a bunch of tasks nicole right that's what i'm kind of getting Mm -hmm. at so like for Mm -hmm. daily or or is it just normally like Mm -hmm. hey um it's just we're really busy we gotta keep going
2: i think it's more really like it's just super busy i feel like i'm doing relevant work like at this point where you know if it's on the ea side like it's i mean Either it's like it's social media, it's posts coming in, mm-hmm. it's magazines, it's photos, these things. I feel like it's just on a rush of like interviews. I feel like everyone I'm interacting with, it's between like other it's either stylists, it's editors. Right now it's like with master class, like I feel like it's more involved I'm not I feel like On the business side, it's so busy, I don't really... I wouldn't have any time to do, like, mindless, like, tasks all day or just, like, getting food, all that. Even though that kind of... I mean, at some point, like, that is a part of it, but... I mean, yeah. I've really been in roles or even in, like, fashion intern- internships, anything like that, where I've been, like, organizing, like, closets or, like, just yes. ordering the food and which doing the is, coffee order.
0: And, which is a little, yeah. like, kind of busy work. But Elaine, like you said, yeah. she, she wanted to change the culture like, Teen Vogue, and she did. Yeah. And it yeah. didn't have to be that kind of work relationship where that was a little more yeah. toxic. And then you also said she's coaching you up, which is amazing, too. She wants to have you better yourself but and then comparing that to like a boss like uh miranda Miranda. right meryl streep's Mm -hmm. character um Mm -hmm. i i do kind of get it she is a little toxic but Mm -hmm. this task that she has doing might be some busy work the coffee Mm -hmm. and throwing the coat and you can't ask me any questions and do this Mm -hmm. do this do this and with no you know background information especially on anne hathaway's first day but um, as far as like the workplace goes, if it's that great of an opportunity, um, I w- and I want to get both of your perspectives, like all the stuff that she had um, Andy and Hathaway's character doing, if the light was at the end of the tunnel where I'm going to be super successful, would that year or say a year and a half, two years where she'd have to go through that, would that be worth it to you too? Or would you be like, all right, this is enough? I
1: See, if I don't think can. David... Yeah. David, have you ever worked as an assistant to, yeah. like, a high-profile individual?
0: No, no. I have a, okay, well, so I, I've been, I've reported to, but I always had but my no, own job.
1: Assist, assistant yeah. is like a t- I'm just talking t- t- about we'll the movie, though.
0: It. Just this. Just, I know, but, not, I, I, yeah. but I,
1: I don't think, it, like, I put myself in Anne Hathaway's shoes and Andy's shoes. And the short answer for me is no. No amount of emotional um, abuse and stress is worth... Any kind of success and maybe that's just because I'm a little older now and like I've had assistant jobs I used to work for a woman that like gives me Miranda Priestly vibes I can Mm -hmm. tell you for a fact that like it just grinds you down to your and Nicole's Mm -hmm. nodding a lot like she Mm -hmm. knows like it you know like a year seems like nothing we've just gone Mm -hmm. through a year of pandemic and it went by in a flash Mm -hmm. but I'm telling you right now when you live at the level of stress every single day where you are like so worried about your job or so worried, you know, you're kind of, cause it doesn't happen all at once. Like Miranda's not like a complete bitch to her from the first second. She's kind of mm. hard, but it comes over time. It's like, it's, a, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. They call it right. Mm. Which is literally like just making you doubt yourself, question yourself, um, feel like you're not good enough. It's just, I cannot, unless you've been an assistant to somebody like Miranda Priestley it no the short answer for me personally is it's not yeah, worth it that's Nicole, that's right. what I'm
0: kind of getting at so yeah, Nicole do you feel the same way
2: yeah I I agree I've been I mean like Libby like all of our friends and stuff have like seen me mentally break down like so bad to the point where like and I feel like through the pandemic what I had really been able to like sit with and like learn and kind of cool that I feel like Elaine and started her intro with like her master class of like what are your values? Like what are, Mm -hmm. what means more to you than like money? And it's like at the end of the day, I've like learned like my mental health, my physical health, like my relationships and family, like nothing can replace those things in those times. And when you're not sleeping anymore, when I'm like not eating anymore, when I'm like, you know what I mean? Like you feel sick to your stomach a little bit all day. And on top of that, even working for a boss, that's just like, it's so... You know, you could do so many things right and then do one thing wrong and it's just... And they'll
1: focus on that.
2: Focus on it, break it down. Like, it's like I've never done, like, anything else that's good. Any of it, right. Weirdly enough, it's like it really takes this toll on you where, like, sometimes it's like you need, like, you're doing okay. Like, you're doing a good job. Like, don't worry. And it's hard to stay mentally, I think, strong and tough through people breaking you down, like, every single day to where, like, it starts, put like to me, it affected, like, my confidence, like, in the workplace mm-hmm. a lot, where, on like, you know, it just starts to make you feel like I'm just not good at anything, or I'm not good at my job, and it's just, it's a really crappy feeling to have, but I think on top of that, just, like, you'll start seeing, like, when I... You know, I don't have time to have, like, friendships or, like, relationships. And I feel really yeah. lonely. I don't work out anymore. Like, I don't eat a lot. I feel sick. Almost, like, it's, it's kind of crazy that. that it it starts... It's weird. And then when you find yourself in a really good work environment, you're like, mm. I don't know if it is worth it. And I think that, to me, well, we actually... See it, we, see, yeah. we
1: see it in this movie, too. Like, mm. Nicole, you made a very good point, which is your relationships are important. And in mm. this film, we see the relationship's deteriorating with mm-hmm. her boyfriend, with her friends, like, you know, um, even with her co-workers who are not nice to her. Yeah. But she kind of, like, becomes this awful person. Mm-hmm. And... Do You think
0: Annie uh, became an awful person?
1: I mean, I do think in the film, you know, she says, like, you sniped her opportunity. So basically, Emily, the first... So she has two assistants. And the first yeah. assistant breaks her leg and gets sick. And she's like, "You're Emily's out, you're in. And she yeah. accepts, or it's her job, and then Meryl Streep's character is like, "Well, you did the same thing." And I know it kind of seems like there isn't an option, but I took
2: notes and actually thought that was like a really good um, point.
1: To make
2: I don't think
0: it. she like backstabbed Emily in any way, though. Uh, so, I don't think she meant yeah. to
1: do it, but I think she did, you know, like, but they all do, they all do it to each other, right? Like, and it's, if they, if, if they had stood up as a team and said, you can't talk to us that way, maybe something would have been different, but it was everybody for themselves, you know?
2: I think that is a really kind of like the most iconic, I think the most iconic scene was when they're like at Paris, they're in Paris, they're in the limo. And I feel like the whole... Thing goes down where she's kind of like what you did to Nigel kind of like taking the opportunity from him and she's like I would never do and then I just love when she's like you already did it to Emily and you don't e-, you know what I mean like you didn't even know and it's kind of like like I said I feel like the theme of like choice the theme of like you know these decisions that she could make and I, I just thought that was interesting
1: right she thinks know. she's just surviving she th- and then talking about the choice which you're talking about <laughs> Nicole it's not until she takes a step back that she realizes that she's had a choice all along, yeah. but they kind of they kind of make her feel powerless. Like she could just say no. Like what's the worst thing that could happen? She could get fired. Like okay, mm. but they they kind of make it seem like. You know, she has no choice. She has to stay until 11 p.m. for the book. Like, mm-hmm. I've, it's interesting David asking us this question because I've had a couple of conversations with male friends in the industry, and I don't know if it's a female psychological thing where we just are like so eager to please or if it's a, it's a certain type of personality, but I've told um, male coworkers like some fucked up shit that happened to me at work psychologically, like mm-hmm. things that were said to me, things that were emailed to me, things that were um, insinuated about me, like my work ethic. And my male colleagues are like, well, I wouldn't put up with that. Like, I wouldn't put up with that. And I don't know. Like, Andy is kind of presented as this character. Like, she, you know, she keeps, like, sticking it out. Because she's kind of also, like, wants to prove that she can do it.
0: Yeah, I think she wants it. And she drops that Harry Potter um, manuscript on the table. Mm -hmm. You know, she doesn't, like, place it. She drops it. And she's like, yeah, I'm holding a little power here, too. Like anything else you need, like, oh, the books are on the train with the twins on the way to see grandma. What's up?
1: She's stepping into a power at that point. But like right before that, if you guys remember, she's about to quit. She's like, I'm going to get fired. And then this one guy calls in and was like, I've come through for you. So she is kind of smug about it, but also like the emotional highs and lows that she has to go to to get to that point, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, first of all, it's an unreasonable fucking request. If someone wants a book, yeah. like, <laughs> if you guys remember in 2009, Harry Potter was, like, yeah. the thing. I was she, like, Miranda this was real. testing her, this though. <laughs> Mar- yeah. She didn't do that. Yeah, well, I don't
0: think she did it for any reason. She Andy let her down previously, and then Miranda right, comes up with this fucked-up task for her to do. You
1: also said in the beginning it's a power play. It's totally a power yeah. play. The way mm-hmm. that this character has people around her reacting is total power trip. You can get the same amount of work done without everybody being at a level 11 panic 24 yeah, seven. It's just yeah. not Stressful necessary. Yeah. She's doing it because it makes her feel in control. And we see that Miranda Priestly's character has a fucked up home life. Her husband, second husband is leaving her. She has these two creepy twins, which gave me, um, <laughs> was that a horror movie we did, David? With the ones on the tricycle? Was, was the, that shining? Shining? Yeah. the Shining? Yeah. <laughs> the Total The Shining vibes with their little faces poking over the railing. So it's almost like she's, and you see this a lot in fashion and entertainment. Like people who have like maybe problems at home pour their stress into their work lives. I think. Yeah. So, and that's, I think that's what. Was or
0: do you think it was vice versa um, that Miranda's work s- caused the stress because the a husband even says that you're always on the phone, or we always, you always got to go to some event and you're never really around. So, and then you see that vulnerable moment where he files for divorce, Miranda and Andy are in the room in Paris, and she's breaking down a little bit, and you see a little bit of humanity. And she's talking about the twins losing a father figure. And he's like Andy's Mm -hmm. like, Do you wanna take a break? Like we don't have to do this or that. She's like, Why on earth will we not go to the event or Mm -hmm. have the events? Like, carry on, go do your job.
1: I mean, you have to remember like workaholic workaholism, (laughs) I don't know. It's a it's a real thing. Like it's Mm -hmm. an addiction in a sense. And you can I mean, they do say throughout the film, like she's the best in the business, she's so good, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure she is, but like, as we know from Elaine you can yeah. be a hard worker and put out an amazing thing and not be a complete asshole. Like it's just, you know, part of it, it is ahead, her
0: then. protecting herself, though, too. So if totally. if the culture that Miranda came into uh, was mm-hmm. cutthroat and that's kind of what I want to ask you to uh, as well, if you knew a little bit about the fashion industry and I'd, um, if, if it's cutthroat and you always got to worry about someone coming for your job. And that's how she feels she has to be. I think that was part of it, too. Like, I got to be on this razor's edge. I got to have this chip on my shoulder constantly. She even says, like, no one can do what I can do. And she set it up so that one other designer or um, editor got a different job so she could keep hers. she yeah.
1: basically plays chess and she gets mm-hmm. like... So there's, they're thinking of replacing her with the Vogue editor... Or sorry, it's from not Vogue. From Paris. It is actually, uh, France, the yeah. runway editor from France. Mm-hmm. She swipes it to Nigel's job and Nigel... She now... She, you know, Nigel's like, she owes me. Um, I wanted to say this. I don't work in the fashion industry, but I work in entertainment. I think what we're talking about with this film is a world pre-Me Too and a pre-Time, yeah. pre-Time's Up. Yeah. So... David, you kind of insinuated it, this, but like if someone is raised in a culture where this is just the way bosses act, they are mean to their assistants, they torture them, blah, blah, blah. I was tortured. And then when it's your turn to be the boss, you're tortured. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of how it sort of was in film and TV, anyway, from what mm-hmm. I've seen. And I'm sure it's the same with fashion, Nicole. Mm-hmm. But post me too, and post like the internet and people sharing this information more widely and with like, you know, recording devices and stuff mm-hmm. like this, like people are more cautious but also people are realizing like the people that got shat on like if Anne hathaway's character continued on in fashion and she was now the boss like that's the us right nicole like we don't want to be assholes to our assistant we want to be like elaine where we're raising the next generation Mm -hmm. right changing disrupting the culture right Mm -hmm. and nicole you you've been more in fashion have you seen a shift since you know 10 years ago
2: I mean, what I feel like now working with Elaine, because I feel like more. I feel like there's more like you kind of do like entertainment. But for when I was first, like in fashion, I've seen a big shift because, like I said, when I first started out, like even in like like twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen, when I was basically I was interning for over a year. It was I. I don't know if I can like say the name at this
1: point. I need to but, say. I mean, yeah, yeah. Just, just a
2: larger like fashion like brand and like their editorial advertising. Like, I'd say it was pretty on point to the movie, 100%. Like, to what, like, that's, I I feel like I have people like, oh, it's kind of over-exaggerated. I'm like, I feel like it's very truthful to everything, to eating, to the body images. Like, you know, I kind of wanted to do a part where, like, you and I could say our craziest experiences. Well, maybe mine (laughs) assisting. I'm happy to share. Oh, Yeah. yeah. In fashion, but, like. Like crazy story I had is when I was interning, they did, um, in-house basically, uh, casting for modeling for their editorial. So we had like an in-house editorial team and I would have to go through, they'd have all these girls like models. So we'd have all of their, um, just their headshots and just like of their full body. And most of the time these are in like, like bra and underwear. And I had to organize these huge thick binders of like probably hundreds of girls. I had to organize Three of them from, like, blondes, brunettes, and redheads. So I had to, like, put, do all of that. And as I'm putting these in, the – basically casting, like, writes notes for – on each page for the girls. And some of these notes, they were, like, hips too big. Like, all this. These girls th- – this was the time where, like, you had to be, like, a size zero. Like, sample sizes, like, would not, like, fit me. Like, uh, like it was insane. And these girls are, like – very bony like you know bones sticking out everything their hips are like sticking out like even as a woman i'm like if this girl essentially they're saying she's like a little too her hips are sticking out she's a little too pudgy and she's, like, bones, literally bones. And her yeah. hips are shaking out. <laughs> this like, is my skeleton.
0: This? I can't do anything about <laughs> yeah. that. I can't. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Do you <laughs> and
1: want to, like, like oh, that's, get a her corset for my <laughs> skills? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's I can't, the bones. I can't that's, shave that's, these she's, down. She, yeah. She's just built that way. That's how her hips yeah. connect to yeah. the rest of her body. Yeah. And I'm,
2: like, oh, cool. She has the hips. Because she's she's a woman who's gone through puberty. Like, of course. like I'm, And just that alone, I'm, like, this is insane. Like, the notes ripping these girls to shreds when they're all, like, I mean, size zeros, double zeros, like, you know, such tiny well, I'll share, girls.
1: Yeah. I'll share a body, I'll share a body image mm-hmm. story from the same. And I feel like that's a great mm-hmm. topic to talk about, like from this film. So mm-hmm. I was working for a woman um, and I find that I, you know, I work for men right now and I love them and, I feel like it's so interesting because, like, I'm a woman, and like, all I want to do is support other women in my industry, which is film and TV. I want to raise people up. I'm always putting women forward for jobs. I'm like, you know, we have to help each other. And um, yes, yeah, so here's my story. So, mm-hmm. I'm leaving an event at a film festival, and I was working for this woman, and I was like really good at being like a door girl. I was like really into it. I was really bubbly. I'm still like find it really easy to like talk to people and, you know, say no with a smile on my face. And we're leaving this event. And this boss grabs me by the arm, and she's like, You know, if you lost 40 pounds, you could be married to one of those guys in there. Because it was like all film like producers and stuff like that and I mean I was a little bigger than I am now I think moving to LA you automatically eat more salads because everybody eats salads everyone just does naturally
2: like I just lost like 20
1: pounds (laughs) but but I wasn't like I was and even if I was like hugely Mm -hmm. you know not didn't have a healthy body like that's nobody's business like health is so subjective and Mm -hmm. like you just don't say that to someone so yeah everybody in the
0: room would like you if if you were at this weight if I was skinny yeah okay Like,
1: you know, like, what if people just and you like need me a, for who And you I was. need a
0: husband at right, that no. moment. For, and exactly. it's got to be someone in that room. like. Fuck and it's got to
1: be someone powerful. And yeah. it's got to be someone this you and that. You know,
0: like, you play your cards right. Fuck exactly.
1: You, you could be a tr- yeah. trophy wife. And I think that's a really good um, segue into talking about the body image that they do discuss in this mm-hmm. film. So yeah. Anne Hathaway is a six, I believe. Six when she um, comes into it. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I didn't eight. know
0: what these numbers meant. I had to ask maybe okay. last night. Yeah because men are obviously all right i'm a 32 or 34 waist whatever mm-hmm. depending be- because it is inches so and i'm like that's not inches and they was like no i'm like that would be impossible two inch waist whatever and she kind of broke it down and then i was asking i'm like so is a piece of clothing at prada that's a six is that is that the same size as a six from I don't know, another fashion brand. She's like, most likely. But if it's like a fast fashion and she broke that down to me, like mm-hmm. Forever 21 or whatever, Express, that might, a two might be different than a two on a designer. All very confusing mm-hmm. to me.
1: But, but they make, they, they 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 call, there's one guy who's like, get your size six, it's Sally Tucci's character, get your yeah. size six ass in here. And then, you know, she's like and that's four. A, that's and, a diss. Basically. Right, that's a diss. But then yeah. she says she's a size four and everyone's high-fiving her. And it's just like, and then also Emily Blunt's character, Emily, in the film, <laughs> she's like they go to this gala and she's mm-hmm. like, You look so thin and she's like, Ah, oh, thank you. And this is a girl who doesn't isn't nice to her at all. So she's this is their first moment of becoming friends. So she's like, Thank you. I'm on this great diet um where I don't eat anything and then when I feel like I'm about to pass out I eat a tiny block of cheese <laughs> yeah. and and she's so proud of that and it's just like this yeah. such unhealthy she's
0: like one stomach flew away from her goal weight right yeah. and yeah. it's it's when they're so... in line
2: for the food and he's like white corn chowder and like you would see all the girls in line they all have salads like every single person <laughs> has a salad
1: yeah it's it's such yeah. bullshit and like You know, like, I I think now fashion is so much more inclusive. Like, Mm -hmm. I see body types in, you know, on the covers of magazines and in advertising that I'm like, yes, this is more realistic. Like, because it used to be that girls would look at these magazines and just be like, I hate myself, you know? Miranda also calls Andy
0: fat at one point. Yeah.
2: I mean, these are, like, the magazines. I feel like when I was younger, like, your friends, like, rip out and then you put on the wall or, like, on the fridge because you want to look like these girls and, like, that was such a part of fashion to me was this whole like being skinny being and i mean at that time it was dangerous like those models were like it's like literally it's like skin and bones like that was like just and it's so crazy with the trends how trends just totally go back and forth where no one can keep up but like
1: like the the trends change and like now having a big ass and like mm -hmm. thick thighs is like so in
0: isn't that crazy how our culture is where weight is a trend yeah, that skinnies yeah. in and thicknesses in. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. Just um, yeah. the, the tip I do. Part of me just feels bad um, for these dream jobs that women. It's I'd assume it's more women that deal with this, but you you try to break into an industry that is toxic and is like that the culture just in general. Mm-hmm. And it's, yes, you can say no, you can go somewhere else. But if that's your passion there's that pulling you saying just stay with it eat whatever shit they're giving you because you're going to be in a good position one day to have your dream job and you'll get your yeah. dream job if you eat this so i it's it's kind of terrible Wait, emily uh,
1: emily never gets her dream job like she was a well we don't know that as- But we see her as Miranda's second assistant for a long time, like, assuming a year. And then a year later, now she's the first. So it's this myth, too, because, like, you think about these industries, it's basically a hamster wheel Mm -hmm. where there isn't really, you know, things get better a little bit by a little bit. But, like, then she fucks over Nigel. And, yes, you could Mm -hmm. say his job is great and amazing. But, like, is he happy? No, he's miserable. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think it's just, again, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. It's, uh, I love that other expression, like the frog in the pot, and it like gets boiled little by little. You know, that's kind of these toxic places. Yeah.
2: It's kind of truly how much the industry has changed probably now from then, because I think at the time, it'd be interesting to have this now, because I think, say, if Emily wanted to leave, I do actually think things are getting more inclusive, and there are other brands, you know, there's just more options. It's just like so, like watching this film, because it's so like, white dominated white I was about to say when you say when men you say inclusive
1: dominated. you mean yeah. <laughs> right you see yeah. but there's there's not like really one person of color in this film
2: no not sorry yeah meaning like now like now things are getting more inclusive in this film absolutely yeah. not and like I have you guys kept track even like all the male um kind of main characters that you see in the film like cuz you know Nigel's kind of like the right hand he's the only one who's like I feel really praised by Miranda and the whole the only like good job pat on the back. Like you're my right hand, you're doing things correctly. And then I think besides that you have, um, who's like the, the, like the, uh, president of the publication was like a man. And then you have, it was like the head designer was the same, like James, who's James, James Holt. Yeah. James Holt. And then yeah. you have Christian. Have Christian Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. who's like the I journalist the, and writer. The yeah. only
1: person of color is her friend, the female is, friend. Is the friend, Lily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like, first of all, that's just not representative of New York at no. all. Like, yeah. it's such a, such a multicultural place. But also, I mean, was fashion this white back in the day, Nicole? Like, has it changed recently? I'd
2: wrong, say so. it was, I'd say back even like 2015 when I was working, it was very white. I was probably the only person that like especially in like editorial like advertising and those shoots like everything white white models size zero like i could never the sample sizes i think were like max like a size two that we had and then just like i feel like yeah no it was look
0: at some of the things (laughs) that these high designers have come out with that Mm -hmm. like really if you thought about it And you had somebody from an African American background; they never would have made. I don't know if you guys, over the past few years, seen some of these clothing articles that Mm -hmm. are just like, who was in that room that approved this, that greenlit this? Exactly. So it's it's it's, insane.
2: Like who that goes through? Like these processes. Like it's you know like people don't get like these photos and every like it, it goes through so many people. And but even. I don't know. It's just, in, it's insane. Cause even looking back at this movie, I feel like just them be like a million girls with the girls, not even women, a million girls would kill for this job. It's all the assistants, everyone. It's these women and very like, again, like feminine, like femme presenting like women as well. So it's like, why? With right. Nigel. What about the non-binary ex- people? Exactly. People mm. or like, why can't like, even like, like masculine women or men be in like fashion or like, And that's where I'm like, it's just so funny. It's like, it's very femme. If there's a male working in the basket, like there, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, and I think that's kind of what it was even like, like 2014, like 2015, like when I was doing it. So uh, yeah, things I think have I think there are a lot more options now. And I think even people focusing on like smaller designers, designers of color, like, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, all art, fashion, film, everything influences each other. You know what I mean? So I feel like you start to see like these movements really do affect. It's like a ripple effect on everything else.
0: I do like one one piece of the movie um, mm-hmm. that... To me, it's like, okay, fashion. I, I wear T-shirts, jeans, and I love sneakers, right? Mm-hmm. So besides that, I'm not, I don't know. I had to ask Libby what couture meant, you know? <laughs> so um, there was there was a great scene that I loved that I was zero like zeroed in on it when uh, Meryl Streep, explains why fashion is important and mm-hmm. art. And she yes. talks about that blue sweater. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, that's actually this kind of blue. And that was this guy who cerulean. brought it out on a dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cerulean blue. And then this guy did a... down. Uh, yeah, and he did like a military yeah. jacket. And then that was mm-hmm. trickled down. And that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. And that was picked um, by people in this room. For just you. Picking th- for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I love that. Oh, Okay, I see. You think this has
3: nothing to do with you. You go to your closet and you select, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back, but what you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue, it's not turquoise, it's not lapis, it's actually cerulean. And you're also blithely unaware of the fact that In 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns. And then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who showed cerulean military jackets. I think we need a jacket here. Mm. And then cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin however that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs and it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when in fact you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff
2: like i feel like my huge question for you guys i like to know after watching this movie is do you think you can have it all do you think you can have like the work-life balance and like your ultimate like peak of success i would love to ask elaine this question too which we haven't talked about but do you think that you could be the top of your game extremely successful and like still have like a balance of life
0: a balance what's the balance of life friendship and significant other and family the
2: work yeah like a work-life balance at like your peak of success to get to the same level that you want
0: i I think the i think the relationships significant others will Mm -hmm. if it if it should work it will work um Mm -hmm. same with friendships if it should work it will work if they're Mm -hmm. really by your side they're gonna know you're going off and you're gonna be a little distant from time to time like for me Mm -hmm. for acting if i gotta go shoot for three four months um, my friends aren't gonna see me right Mm -hmm. and some of the ones that if if it was hanging by a thread when I left, it, it's probably going to cut off. But all my other guys, all my other friends, you know, like uh, like I guarantee Paris and I would still be tight if I went and shot something for like three four Dude, months.
1: Dude, I fly out, I'd fly I fly mean? out for a weekend exactly. and surprise you and be
0: like, woo! So everybody. yeah, yeah. If, if there's something if there's something that you really want and you gotta go and get obsessive about and like, hey, this is your what friends will I'm understand. Doing. They're gonna say yeah. because they're gonna want you to rise and they're gonna want to see where you can take it, right? Mm-hmm. And they're gonna be yeah. there for you. So I think um that stuff will stay in place if they're supportive enough and if they're really ride or die with you because they're going to just say go get it if you need something mm-hmm. let me know if you need to talk yeah. let me know so work mm-hmm. and then life balance just as a general probably not you're probably not going to be able to take all the vacations you're probably not going to be mm-hmm. able to go relax constantly when you want to maybe ch- work
1: out every day exactly sometimes, sometimes your
0: days are going to get away from you it, it happened to me yesterday just with my day job mm-hmm. i i wanted to go do something things phone call phone call phone call phone call phone call mm-hmm. boom it was already you know like five six o'clock whatever mm-hmm. um that stuff happens but it's yeah. if you want to that success because um and you know like you're you're probably pretty good at it you're probably decent at it so it's okay for you to do too if it's something that you hate you probably you probably don't want to be successful in that industry anyways but Mm -hmm. to to your point I think it's two different things one you're going to have a little less work-life balance because you're you're going for something that you're obsessed about and then Mm -hmm. on the other side if it's friends and family they're going to be there if they're going to be there
1: for me it's like I think my definition of success changes all the time. Like what, Mm -hmm. when you say like, you know, your most successful thing in your career, like I look at my current boss and he is, in my opinion, crushing it, you know, Mm -hmm. like he's got a lot of things happening, but he is a family man. He loves his son. He loves his wife. Like Mm -hmm. he has friends. He, you know, doesn't always take a lot of time for himself, but like, my definition of success is doing something that I love with the people that I love and like, and like, you know, even just this past week being able to like hire some friends to do some stuff with me and then, you know, and still enjoy what you do. So like, would I want to be Miranda Priestley? Absolutely not. Because her yeah. kids don't see her. She doesn't have a healthy relationship. Like I would rather be, um, and, and and by the way, I'm super ambitious, but I would rather be two ru- like uh, rungs down on the ladder mm-hmm. and know my kids and know my partner and just you know still get to laugh and smile. Mm-hmm. So I think it really depends. I think you can have it all if if your definition of success is you know something that means that you can. Yeah. Um, and there and there are people out there who are sharks and they are top of their game, but like we're all going the same place, you uh-huh. know we're all going to end up in the same, same bed or same box. And I, it's like, do you want to have made millions and millions of dollars and, you know, be super famous and whatever, or do you want to have had like a great time? So mm-hmm. that's kind of my take. What about yeah. you, Nicole? I want to turn it around. It's something I think has just been like sitting on my mind for
2: so long where I don't know if I have like the answer yet to it, but I don't know why when I think of like success, maybe that does go to like my career. Cause I think, Maybe I find such a sense of, like, purpose in, like, what I'm doing every single day. And I think from the people, like, I've seen who are extremely successful, what they do, it is constant work. Like, even with Elaine, like, I mean, she could definitely attest to it. It is constant. It is all day long. It is, like, 5 a.m. mornings to, like, 12 p.m. nights. And, you know, it's, like, I feel like most of the time, like, we're along for, like, the ride during the day together and I think it hits me more than like the people I've worked for who are in their careers, like kind of at the the top of the top, like they're reaching like their pinnacle of success it has been probably a trade off of lots of personal days, personal lives, like friendships, like, you know, doing things for yourself and like mental health, which, you know, physical. Well, like, like I mean, probably Elaine would tell you too, the amount of times where she's like, sometimes like I get so busy. Like, I don't eat. I literally forget because I'm just, like, going to next It. She's like, oh, it's been all day and I haven't had anything to eat today. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, recently, like, I definitely had a day, like, working where I was doing so much, like, from 5 a.m. till I didn't get home till, like, 10, 11. And it hit me that I'm like, I literally had, like, half of a smoothie at, like, 7. And I haven't eaten today. And, you know, and it's just, but I feel like when you're trying to get there, like, the People who I feel like in their career are trying to hit this like successful pinnacle of success, it is a constant. You are working all like talking to people yeah, all the time, networking cool. all the they're, time, reaching, you are and that that's kind of person. It's hard.
0: Yeah, you are that kind of And so, everybody that's listening, so true. make sure you eat, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> make sure you be healthy. But, yeah, Paris is this type of person, I'm this type of person, you're this type of person, Libby is, Elaine is. We can go. And we can sit there and it's task, 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 task. Mm-hmm. And oh, shit, I forgot to eat. Other people are, I got to eat. I got to eat. I got to eat. Now I'll mm-hmm. do a task. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to go do this. Now I'll do a task. Now I'll do this. You see what I'm saying? It's a yeah. mindset. It's we're yeah. putting we're not we're not even thinking about the food because we're trying to get this stuff done and we're trying to mm-hmm. hustle and move uh, move things forward. But like mm-hmm. you, you need to be healthy. You need to take like 10 it's minutes really. to breathe. Go stretch for a walk. your eyes. Exactly. Yeah, get a move around. Yeah. But we are those type of people that. Have but everybody that,
1: that everybody that you mentioned, it's so interesting. We all have gravitated to LA, right? Like yeah, I think we're all living the same in, people. Like it's for well, and that's and the success. thing that that's LA and New York and a lot mm-hmm. of these big cities, London, um, Hong Kong, Sydney, like these big cities. They attract A type personalities yeah. because you know, like if we wanted to. David, you come from a beautiful, you know, state Mm -hmm. that's just, like, super chill and gorgeous. And, like, if you just wanted an easy life, same with me. If I wanted an easy life, Scott Mm -hmm. and I always talk about this. Yeah. We always talk about, like, how living in Australia is kind of living on easy mode because, Mm -hmm. like, the food is amazing, the weather is amazing. But, no, we all chose to move to a hustle city, and we've all got dreams. And so, like, it's interesting, you know, you named all these people, but, like, Mm -hmm. we've all found each other and attracted each other, you Mm -hmm. know, and we're all doing things because... Like living in LA is not necessarily the easiest choice, right? No. It's, mm. um. It's not a, a fantasy. Grown,
2: Everyone's listening. All the kids no. out there who want to go live out there. <laughs> you can come dream. live here. Yeah.
1: You And by the that's way, hard. you can go live. You can live at the beach, but you need to make enough money to be able to do 100%. that. You know, and, and everyone around mm-hmm. you is going to be hustling because nobody, if you want to live at the beach and live in California, maybe you need to move to like Santa Barbara or, yeah. you know, one of these like little beach towns and just chill. And that's but, totally valid. Well, even
0: those like A types are talking about the people that stayed in Australia, stayed in, you know, Milwaukee, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, yeah, Oregon, Portland, Portland, right. Portland, Oregon. Yeah. yeah. So they, they're fucking crushing it where they're at because they yeah. have that mindset. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you don't
1: have to be in LA. Exactly. But it just seems like these that cities come here bring, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Because yeah. It's, it's a faster, it's fast paced. Right. Um, but, I, but, and, but
1: I think I think I think we see a lot of people in L.A. that don't have the personal life. They don't have the healthy mm-hmm. eating habits. They don't mm-hmm. have the friendship groups, you know. And I think, again, like the ultimate goal should be balance. The ultimate mm-hmm. goal should be. Yes. You know, and I'm so excited to, to talk to Elaine and like mm-hmm. here. Yes. Working from 12 till uh, 5 till 12. Like that's mm-hmm. insane. And yeah. it's the thing is, you can do that for a period of time but that's why so many people in the city experience burnout yeah. right yeah. and we and we saw and we saw Andy in the movie get burnt out and mm-hmm. Emily oh my god she gets so sick and then she breaks yeah. her fucking leg while she's trying to cross yeah. the street <laughs> yeah. but david i'm sure you have some fun facts you said there were some great fun facts yeah Boy, uh, uh,
0: okay so well part of it was uh, a little kind of weird with anne hathaway they asked her to gain and lose 10 pounds during the filming yeah yeah just to fit into some of the different pieces that she had to wear and she said it was kind of kind of messed up that she had to i think first drop it and then put it back on um during during yeah that's kind of i don't like that.
1: Yeah, yeah it
0: was a little weird um let's see meryl streep never went to paris Oh, so even <laughs> though this movie made this movie made over 300 million dollars in the box worldwide. Right. Yeah. Um, oh. So they, they knocked it out of the park. But um, at the time, they didn't get the green light to go to Paris. And then they saw like uh, a like a fast track or something like that of the movie. What had been shot. So Fox was like, all right. You guys can have a small budget. A couple people can go to Paris. So just like Anne Hathaway, um, I think the Thomas guy, Christian Thompson went, mm-hmm. and then a small like skeleton cast and crew. So uh, Meryl Streep had to pretend she was in Paris um, for those scenes that they shot. <laughs> that's
1: so unfair. Let Meryl <laughs> go to Paris.
0: God yeah, damn.
2: She wants to like <laughs> in Paris. That's like everyone's dream. I want to be Lauren Conrad yeah. in Paris. Like everyone's
0: um, right. <laughs> Meryl Streep. Uh, she almost turned this down at one point. Um, she said the offer was slightly, if not insulting, perhaps not reflective mm-hmm. of her value at that point. And then uh, the producers doubled her fee, and she said she was 55 Good. when she she learned that at a very eight, very later age to deal on her own behalf. So mm-hmm. ask for a raise all the time. I cannot
1: imagine anyone but Meryl Stroop in this role. Me by so Fucking iconic. Oh my God. So
2: iconic. The role she's played, <laughs> but like it's so crazy rewatching this film again because I'm like, she is perfection in this. They casted so well. I love Emily. I love Andy. Like it was perfect. But Meryl, such a great performance. So good.
1: <laughs> Oh, so this bitch. is the part of the podcast where we do a shout out for the okay. someone in the cast or crew. Nicole, who do you have? So
2: the lead costume designer was Patricia Fields. But I want to give a shout out to the assistant costume designer on Staying on the Theme of Assistance, who is Tracy Cox. So it's really insane because I looked her up. So she actually worked with Patricia Fields, who is the lead costume designer On, um, uh, what was it? Sex and the City on their last season. Um, and yeah, so they had worked together and then they worked together again on this movie, on The Devil Wears Prada. And it's really sad because I went to her IMDb and the only two things that she had helped assist on, it, it was sex in the city in 2004 and then Devil Wears Prada in 2006. Nothing else ever. So,
1: interesting. The work,
2: I mean, I I absolutely love the costume design there, but like I said, I feel like costumes and fashion in film, especially, I mean, it just in itself tells a story and I think especially like I said before, seeing Andy's kind of evolution of not knowing who she was to kind of trying to fit a mold to like, I love the end scene where she's, you know, going to her journalism interview and she, I feel like she's just like, she found herself. And I think you yeah. can see that in the clothes. And I think they did a fantastic job. Um, like I said, I do not think any of these, any of the clothing age like milk. So <laughs>
1: hey,
2: props to uh, Tracy Cox. We love well, you. we
1: see you and we appreciate you, Tracy. You. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> you. I'm going to go with Nicole Rivera. She was the assistant to Wendy Feinerman, who, Wendy Feinerman was the producer. So Nicole, you and I are in simpatico on that. <laughs> also shouting out an assistant. Being an assistant to a producer is hard. I've done it. Um, it's fun, but it's, yeah, it's stressful. Um, but Nicole went on to become an executive on the Tom and Jerry show, be cool, Scooby Doo, Steven Universe, The Powerpuff Girls TV show, and Clarence. Um, so she obviously like climbed the ladder, stuck it out, worked really hard. Uh, Nicole, we mm-hmm. see you and we appreciate you. Thank you for everything you did on this movie, um, mm-hmm. and wishing you all the best for your future endeavors. See you. We
0: appreciate you. Yeah, uh, Nicole, real quick. Um, mm-hmm. This movie was nominated for Best Achievement in Common or Costume oh. Design. Um, yes, a couple of different yes. things oscar mm-hmm. bafta yeah so good on you um mm-hmm. i went with monica barraza who was a assistant as well on this film and was she was yeah <laughs> assistant <laughs> pro, assistant production coordinator on Lost devil that. wears products she was assistant production coordinator spider-man 3 what happens in vegas pirates of the caribbean spider-man 2 bunch of stuff and then mm-hmm. she went ahead and and pivoted on him and mm-hmm. she has been more on the visual effects side most recently mm-hmm. and she's did um the west side story vfx production supervisor and it's now in post-production judas and the black messiah vx production mm-hmm. supervisor Greatest Showman. yeah Jesus. um she's worked on some fucking the purge yeah him. she's she's uh she's, she's been doing her it. thing so triple frontier so it was a good pivot on her side, and um, she's crushing it. So, you know, Monica, we see you, and we appreciate you.
1: We see you, and we appreciate you, girl. Uh, <laughs> thanks for your contribution. All right, kids, what do we think? Do That's we that think <laughs> that dun, dun, this dun. film, dun, dun, <laughs> dun, it's a hard one because I think hard. there's some things that have, so Nicole, you're the guest. You go first. What do you think? Okay,
2: this is so hard because you. of course I'm going like back and forth on this. But no, I do not think this movie Age Like Milk. And I'm going to say that because I feel like at the time that it was filmed, it was extremely true to what the industry was at the time. And I think brings up so many themes and, like, not even like they're trying to say, like, this is okay. But I think highlighting, like, all the fucked up stuff that's kind of, that comes with this, comes with the industry, with assisting. So, no. And between that, between the fashion, all that, I do not think that Age Like Milk, of course, on the side of, Diversity, stereotyping, toxic work culture. No, I do not think something like this could fly now. But like again, I mean, we're getting shows like Emmeline Paris. All of the kind of still very unrealistic narratives around this industry. But um like I said, hopefully, Elaine, if you guys read her book, more than enough. It's a very. I think that she's a very good interpretation of you know just description of what is actually what it's like as a person of color in these industries and spaces so yeah so no i'm gonna it's it's hard i'm gonna
1: say no i don't think it aged like milk for its time for its time Mm -hmm.
0: paris you Uh, go
1: i also struggled i am gonna say it aged like milk i'm Mm -hmm. gonna say it aged like milk for many of the reasons that nicole was saying i do think uh it's an accurate representation of some of my experiences but this is more of a hopeful it's aged like milk because i'm Mm -hmm. hoping that there are less bosses like this. I think watching it, you know, Nicole and I could both relate to it. I hope assistants graduating from university now, you know, Andy is like a recent grad. I hope people are not dealing with bosses like this, the way that Nicole and I had to deal with bosses. So I'm gonna say it Age Like Milk because the culture is so toxic. And the workplace is so white, mm-hmm. and I yeah. would think—and I, I this is probably me being hopeful—but I would think that things are more diverse now. You know, we have our pronouns in our email signatures. Mm-hmm. Um, agreeing with Nicole, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Like, I would have liked to see some diversity in that, like, gender expression and and whatever. And like, and not everybody has to wear fucking heels. And by the yeah. way, how are they running in those heels? Like, how? <laughs> no. I don't know. I can barely I can barely walk in you know heels for like five <laughs> seconds. She's fucking running around New York, so. Yeah. I'm going to say it aged like milk because I don't think that this is... I, I don't think that, um, hopefully, this is what every workplace looks like now. But, you know, it could be wrong. So it's more of a hopeful aged like milk. It's like a okay. aged like hope. <laughs> it's yeah, aged like hope. hope. <laughs> I, I think they sell those signs at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They sm- yeah, I just bought that candle. Yeah, <laughs> smells <laughs> like hope. So,
0: Nicole, I'm 100% with you on the part of that this was like a moment in time. Now that you told me, you two Mm -hmm. both told me that some of these industries were like that back then um, and we're making strides towards that. So I don't think that part aged at all um, because that's what the culture was back then and that's what that movie was about. Why I think this movie aged like milk is because not once did they make it okay for Andy's weight even though she was skinny to be just fine with who she is and there there was no redemption right Mm -hmm. uh emily Blump's like you eat carbs you can't go like i can't believe it you even eat carbs right and like some of those scenes were hilarious some of those scenes with stanley tucci and her were great but there was no redemption like hey you know we were wrong be okay with yourself I'd agree be healthy so there was there was all of that and like Anne Anne Hathaway Andy's character even fell into it she started oh I'm a four now and Mm -hmm. it was was never no redeeming quality it's
1: super fat phobic right like no one in this movie very much well (laughs) it's
0: like like healthy phobic I would say yeah because she was a healthy healthy woman and she like nothing wrong with her and this that industry if, if they pushed that on her and made her change but there's normally like some of that stuff she quit her job and she stood up to the mean boss right. and she went and did what she loved but not once was it like hey it's okay to be a six it's okay to be an you know, eight ten yeah. or twelve you so. were right
1: the whole time. Eat that clam chowder yeah. once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yourself. I like she's eating a,
0: like, a big-ass <laughs> blimpy sub because Emily yeah. Blunt said, I'm going to find you at whatever Blimpy's if you fuck this up for me at that <laughs> last scene. You know, something yeah, they like were, that.
1: They were funny-ish jokes, but yeah, there was no... like. It was funny because it was like a crazy caricature but there was yeah. i agree with you there was no conversation at the end where it was like i was wrong yeah
0: i, sh- I i'm okay mm-hmm. with it the yeah. they
1: should have had <laughs> emily eating a box of chocolate or something <laughs> on at the end yeah. Yeah. i love when she's in the hospital
2: and she's like eating her bread and all the pudding she's like well after <laughs> now like how many it? <laughs> like,
0: yeah, yeah. Damn. so, so well, but overall i wouldn't have just picked this movie up but i'm glad um you guys brought it up I'm glad nicole you picked it because <laughs> Meryl Streep crushes everything she's in. Um, As far as like me as an actor and watching the greats do it, she's a goat in the industry, in that profession. Mm -hmm. So um, I did enjoy this movie. But yeah, Ann Hathaway is great. Stanley Tucci, Emily Blunt. So a lot of. Honestly,
1: every performance in this movie. Well, Nate
0: (laughs) wasn't.
1: Adrian Grenier. Yeah. Yeah. He was kind of just there. I think he was very hot in 2006, you know, like of his time. He was the guy. Because I think was this the time of like entourage he's probably everywhere you know here's a bunch of stuff
0: but yeah other than that if it wasn't for that part if they gave me like a redemption on the size thing and and her eating habits and weight i'd have been this didn't age but that's the only thing that stuck with me
1: good good point um nicole where can people so you already mentioned the name of elaine's book where can people like follow elaine like how can they you know support her and like find her on social media
2: yeah, so you can just follow her at Elaine Walteroth on Instagram. So go on there. I mean, yeah, come look, watch the talk. I feel like they have really cool – I mean, they just kind of talk about, like, current events going on and, like, politically, Um, obviously with pop culture. It's very interesting. Um, Yeah, read the online magazine In the Know. She's working on that now, and they have some great – it's very Gen Z-focused, like, st- stars on there. Oh. So – We got lots of fun things coming up, but go check that out. Or just, like, get her, honestly, her book, More Than Enough. Very inspiring. You'll be feeling great. I feel like, especially after watching, if you, basically, I feel like all we have with these films, you have, like, The Devil Wears Prada, you have, like, you know, The Hills and, like, Lauren Conrad, you have, like, Netflix with an Emily in Paris, and I don't think, especially for people of color trying to be in these industries. You have very much truth or reality in it, or even kind of like the American dream. And I think Elaine's book kind of hits on like every single part of, you know, coming from mixed race backgrounds, all of that, navigating your way through these industries, like love and loss and kind of, you know, Claiming space and spaces that typically weren't like meant for people of color and women, and working your way up. So, you know, and the hard work that that took. And to me, it's just it's very it's very honest. If you want a very honest approach to like how this industry is and what it was and what it can be, I would definitely read the book. It inspires me, and it's fun to work for someone that you just passionate about and you're
0: inspired <laughs> master yeah. two that i started yes. it today uh, i was like um like probably six or seven segments in and i did some of the stuff she said to like write down those circles in the map um mm-hmm. so it's a lot of a lot of like self-improvement in your life and it's very direct she's just giving you game so um, i feel like it's worth i it. i
1: mean i i only saw the the ad for it and it's definitely next to my Masterclass queue um but i feel like she's like that best friend or that like mentor that like just tells you how it is. And I, I, sometimes you need that. Even if you don't know her and she's not talking to you directly, it's like to hear, yeah, like you said, like write that shit down, like do this, do that. It's like she's clearly been through it and it's awesome to see someone like her succeeding. And um, yeah, I want to, you know, you want to emulate that success. So thanks. Thanks for bringing her to the podcast, Nicole. We are so excited to see what happens for you Um, thanks for coming on and thanks for picking this movie. Yes. Thank you for having me. I love you guys. These people are
0: the best.
1: Um, well, thanks guys. Uh, David, you should probably check your fridge
0: and make sure that milk ain't spoiled.
1: Cause gross milk is gross. (laughs) That's our show. Thanks guys. Bye. See you.